Welcome to the BK Show podcast. This is episode number 22, and today I am joined by my friend Isaac Smith. Isaac is the host of the Next Level E-Commerce podcast, which he was gracious enough to have me on there. You can go check out my episode with him in the show notes or check out his podcast in general. And he is also the founder of SummitEcommerce.co, where he helps e-commerce companies with their bookkeeping. Uh, Isaac's a cool dude. Him and I have swung in the same circles for a long time. We both came uh, from the same course. That was the the, the genesis of our journeys into uh, the world of entrepreneurship. And so it was nice to sit down and chat with him. Uh, I, I learned a lot about his story. I think he knew some of mine. He said he was a, a listener of my one of my old podcasts, Ecom Fire. I'm sure some of you listening remember that. Um, and so it was nice to be able to catch up with him and learn a bit about his story. Uh, I think you're going to learn a lot from him today, and I hope you enjoy this episode with Isaac Smith. Isaac Smith, how's it going, buddy? Welcome to the show. Doing great, man. Thanks, thanks so much for having me. Um, it's really fun to be here. Yeah, I mean, you had me on your show. I don't know, a month, two months ago, something like that, and uh, you've been on my list to reach out to to get you back onto my show. I, uh, I think you knew a little bit more about my story than I knew about yours. And um, you've done a lot of interesting things. And, and we, we've kind of swung in a lot of the same circles. Uh, and so I'm interested to hear your whole journey and uh, yeah, learn more about you. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, I'm happy to share. And um, yeah, it's really cool. To, like, like we discussed when when you came on my podcast, you uh, and your podcast were an early inspiration for me. So it's really cool to sort of bring these things together. <laughs> that always makes me feel weird, right? I'm sure at this point now you have your own podcast, you have a bookkeeping service. I'm sure people are reaching out to you saying, hey, you got me started or hey, you pushed me through here. Is it weird to you when people say that? I don't know. It's still even to this point, it's weird to me. It feels weird inside. No, no, it's really, I feel really humbled and honored. Like the, the, the messages that people send me about the podcast, about um, and I'm, I'm helping people we'll get into, I'm, I know, um, we'll, I'm helping people hire, uh, well, and the messages that they send, like the true, when you see that, the, that you've actually touched someone's life, you've made an impact. It's, I mean, it's just crazy. Like that's, um, it's so different than running my own e-commerce store, you know, like it, that was, that was just an entirely different, um, I don't know. It's an entirely different thing. And I'm so much more fulfilled and happy where I am here. It's, it's just really cool. Well, you seem a little more, uh, receiving than I do. Like you're able to receive the, the, the thank yous better. I don't know. I, I tend to brush them off and just like, what's next, right? Like who can I help next rather than take two seconds to be like, wow, that's cool that that happened. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I should, you know what? From you. I, I actually, um, part of me, I just can't believe it. Like I did, I had something to do with that. Um, and, and it's just like, holy crap, this is, this is what I've always wanted to do is impact somebody like this. And so like when people send me messages, I screenshot all of them. Um, and, and one of the, one of someday I'll like fill a whole wall, I'll print them all out and just put like a gratitude wall or something like when I'm feeling down, I, I heard uh, Pat Flynn does this. Um, and when he's like feeling discouraged, he just looks over at the wall and like, oh, wow, look, look at look at the impact I've been able to make. That's actually a really um, good so I was idea. really inspired by that. Yeah, yeah. I should totally. I, I have, I have the one free spot left on, on my walls that are all 
mostly Minnesota Twins decorated, but um, that's not a bad idea. I've been thinking about what to put there, and I probably should do that. Honestly, take some time to um, you know look backwards, be grateful. It's not something I'm great at. I'm always, yeah. I'm always pushing forward as fast as I can, and, and what's next, and how do I get to the next level? And um, Yeah, I like that idea. So look, I I know we swung in the same circles at least back in the day, right? I think we all started we started at the the same course. I think you started before me actually, but uh, all I've heard before is that either you were going to school to be an architect or you were an architect. And I, like I want to dissect your journey. Like how did you how did you even begin this journey to to getting where you're at? Because I think you have one of the coolest stories out there of of maneuvering your way through the nine to five to to e commerce to a podcast to bookkeeping to to helping people hire people. It's uh, kind of an interesting story. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, I mean, we can start wherever you want. You know, I, I do a lot of reflecting. Um, and yeah, I was an architect. I worked in that industry for eight years. Um, I was super, super passionate um, when I was a when I was in college and even after college. I just I loved design. I loved buildings. I loved physical spaces and just the ability to impact somebody's daily life, you know, like that they could walk through something that I, uh, had a part in. It was just amazing. Um, but I think, I think probably most careers, um, I, I, somehow I think architecture is even more special in this way in that it's the, the day to day of your actual work when you're actually working in that career is very, very different than I imagined it would be. Um, you know, I did well in school. Um, I, I love the, the, the theory and the ideas, but then when you actually get into it and you're, you're spending your, your, your like three months into uh, re-revising again and again and again, the front steps to a historic house in Georgetown. Um, because the historic review board is, is telling, you, no, you can't do that. You're like, Oh gosh, what are they actually going to, what are, we thought this was good. You know, like that becomes a miserable process. Um, and so, you know, I was just not happy with that. Um, actually earlier on, um, I got my pick of jobs cause I, I came into the industry in 2006 and the economy was booming at the time and I did well in in school. So I had a good portfolio and um, I did uh, urban design, which is a little different than architecture. Um, It's like town planning. Um, If a developer wants to build a residential subdivision or a commercial area or anything, they have to get a designer. So, we did a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, it was pretty exciting. And then, and then eventually I moved in, uh, 2008 hit. My boss was telling me, you know, I don't think I'm going to be able to keep you around for a while or for much longer. He said, why don't you go, you know, he, he was nice enough to be honest with me, say, you know, you, you should look for something else. Um, so I got another job. Um, at this place doing, uh, arenas, you know, like stadiums and performing arts centers and really cool stuff like that. And that's when I, I experienced the fire of architecture. Um, it's not the easiest place 
not the easiest type of, of career to have because architects are really overworked. And um, some, of, some companies have um, kind of toxic culture. And, th- and this was definitely one of them where I was pulling. We, you know, it's, it's an industry that's based on deadlines. And, you know, that, that deadline does not move. And we're, we're, we have unrealistic expectations to, to things that we need to accomplish by this deadline. And, and the clients will change their mind on something fundamental like two days before. So it was like high, high pressure. And, um, and I just really, I would be in the, like, no joke. People exaggerate. Oh yeah. I worked 80 hours a week this week. no. No exaggeration, um, 80 hours was pretty common. I remember doing 92 at one point, um, just totally miserable. How do you get anything done? Like I'm, I'm, so used to, I'm so used to working like, I don't know, five, six hours a day, if I'm honest. Like that's where I'm, yeah. pri- I'm primed for five or six. And I don't, I don't stick around the extra three, four, five every day anymore because there's just – you're not getting anything done. Yeah, it's – I mean, I don't even know. It's just, it's like working in that kind of environment when everyone is really high strung and unhappy. And I mean, it's just, um, you're, you're, you're living, your your day is in panic is what it feels like. Mm, just fight um, or flight all the day, all day long. Yeah. That, that's a good way to describe it. Yeah. Fight or flight. <laughs> and I was in I was in flight mode, but like, what am I going to do? Nobody's hiring right now because we're in a recession. Um, so it did take so from that job, it did take me a year to find another one. Um, but I guess that's sort of an overview of what that career is like. So yeah, I wanted out, and when I did get that next job, um, it was the most wonderful job that you could ask for. It really was like everything that I hated about that second job um, was solved in the third one. And it was wonderful people doing excellent work. They had reasonable expectations. Um, and so, you know, it was, it was fine. It was great. It was great for a while. But eventually I came back around. I'm having these feelings of panic. Like, no joke, just panic. I'm thinking like, what? Why? You know, I, this is, I have a great job. Why am I feeling like this? Um, but I think it's, it's, you know, you, I didn't know it, but looking back at the time, it's just, I'm, I'm not supposed to be working for other people. That's just not me. Like the, the, the perfect example is when I have to ask for a, f- a few days off, like, I hate asking. Like, why do I have to ask? So I'm a grown man. I have a family. Why do I have to ask if I can go to the beach for a weekend, a long weekend, you know, with my family? That just seems, it's so demeaning to me. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it just, it's not for me. Look, I don't think I was uh, an employee either. And I don't think I saw it right away. Like, um, I think I should have seen it in school. Like I was, I was a terrible student. I didn't want to listen. I didn't want to do things the right way. And like, so did you see those signs before, uh, you know, being an employee and realizing it wasn't for you? Like, did you see him growing up that, that you just didn't want to abide by the rules or take anyone's orders? 
I don't know. You know, it's looking back, you can certainly see the signs, but I didn't at the time. But so looking back, I discovered I'm actually fourth gener I'm a fourth generation entrepreneur. How I never put those how I never put that together is crazy. But my great grandparents had a grocery store that they lived above. Um, my grandpa was doing all kinds of, you know, he grew up through the depression. So it was like, you got to make stuff happen. So he was selling all kinds of different things, eventually opened a, a little electronics business in his house, which is what I knew as a kid. And my dad's done all kinds of things, <laughs> but that was never a, it was never a focus for, for us. Like that was just what they did. Um, but no, I mean, you know, I don't know. I was, I was never a, I was a good employee. I did, I did well, but I was, I never understood why other people would go above and beyond for a company that never made any sense to me. Like, no, I'm going to do what's required of me and no more, (laughs) you know, but you would see people who would just put in the extra effort never made sense to me. And and maybe it was because I had no ownership of what was happening, no agency. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I love how you said you looked at uh, your profession and you said, I think every profession, everyone kind of only looks at the good things. I think that's right. So as you transition into, you know, wanting to do something for yourself, I would assume you only saw the good things, right? So we actually both took the same course. Um, mm-hmm. It was kind of flouted as as like lifestyle, right? Or or like specifically for me, I bought into the I could go live on a beach in Thailand, right, uh, and make two yeah. grand a month. Like what? Like uh, you probably saw the same things, right? You saw all the good things and and didn't take into factor all the bad things. So like, what what turned you on to something outside of uh, of architecture and like in your online journey? I'm genuinely curious. Like what what first got you hooked? Well, I think it, it was during my time at that second job that was miserable. Um, I was miserable. And just to show how miserable I was, like, I'm not exaggerating this. I would go in the bathroom and sit down with my head in my hands and just sob, hoping no one would hear me. That's how bad it was. And um, whew, yeah, that, that was rough. Like, years of that. Um, no, and funny. so it's funny you mentioned that. Cause I, I literally have this on my about us page. I just, my, uh, my partner, Leanna patch just got done writing it all. And she's like, we have to include this note. So it's funny. Cause at five fifty-five AM, I, I went and took a bathroom break and was just like, like you said, almost sobbing. And I wrote, I must begin setting goals and formulating a plan mm-hmm. for the future. Working for this place is slowly driving me insane. Like find your passion and begin set goals, set an action plan, begin the first steps immediately. I, I remember that exact moment of like, wow, um, I can't be here anymore. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so what do you do? I mean, like, I don't know anything. And so I I started thinking, well, maybe, maybe I have to have be my own boss. Maybe I have to take a little more control. I have to start a business of some sort. And at first I thought actually what I had planned on doing was, so I said, my dad uh, had his own business he was actually a contractor at the time. He had a little remodeling business. Um, and so my idea was I would 
we were in Washington, D.C. at the time, and I'm from uh, the Northwest, uh, grew up around Portland, Oregon, and um, that's where I live now. And I thought, I, would mo- I know, I'll move back home, I'll become a developer. Because I knew architecture, starting an architecture firm is really, really hard. And I didn't want, I didn't want that. Um, so I thought, I know, I'll just buy a little piece of property, design a house, my dad will build it, we'll sell it. And then with that money, we'll buy a little bit larger, we'll build two houses. Great. <laughs> that was the idea. So I started listening to podcasts and, and I actually bought some textbooks on, on development. Um, but <laughs> just listening to that, I realized, no, you know what? Actually, I know developers. Th- that's pretty hard too. And you have to have a lot of money. Uh, and if it doesn't sell, you lose a lot of money. Mm. You know, so uh, maybe there's something different. So I started just going down that rabbit hole of, okay, well, what other types of businesses are there? So I thought, okay, entrepreneurship. Uh, the only thing I know about entrepreneurship is um, like Silicon Valley, what I hear that comes out of the tech scene. You know, So like I listened to a lot of interviews with people who started things like mint.com and you know that kind of stuff. And I realized, wow, their lives are even worse than mine. I don't want that. <laughs> and so eventually I found my way to, I think, Pat Flynn, um, Smart, in, uh, Smart Passive Income podcast. And I thought, okay, well, that makes sense. And he actually was an architect as well. So I was instantly sort of connected. I connected with him. Um, and so just, there, I mean, this is over a process of years that I'm just slowly uncovering, you know, the what's out there in the world. And eventually I, you know, like he was talking about building these niche websites and, and somehow you make money with that. And that seemed very vague and nebulous. And so I, eventually I heard about e-commerce and e-commerce is something where you actually receive money for an item and a person gets an item. And it's like, okay, well, that actually makes sense. And um, I think I can do that. But how did you transition from Pat Flynn to to e-commerce? Like, I remember he was one of the first people I listened to, too. And I think he's just, he seems very safe. I don't know how else to word it. Like, he's got a very wonderful voice. Uh, He explains things extremely thoroughly. He's very transparent with his numbers. and, And so, like, I very much enjoyed his podcast in the beginning. I think he's wonderful at at helping you understand what your first steps might look like. But how did you go from, uh, from Pat Flynn to e-commerce? Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure I see the connection there. Cause he was like you said, all about content sites. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, I'm continually searching for new podcasts and I would listen to them on my commute. And so, you know, I have like 45 minutes, minutes each way. And every day is something new. And I, I'm sure I heard a guest on his podcast who had, I don't know how, I don't even remember how those connections work, but I remember eventually, um, you know, I was listening to um, Ecom Fuel um, and also Terry Lynn's Build My Online Store and Steve Chu's um, My Wife Quit Her Job, all those podcasts. Um, and so when I started listening to them, oh, actually, Andrew Udarian. Uh, from Ecom Fuel, e-commerce fuel, put out some sort of how to start a drop shipping 
it was a PDF or something. <laughs> and it was like an ebook. Yeah, it's funny. I had a, I had him on the, uh, I don't know, two, three, four, somewhere around uh, episode seventeen. I had Andrew. Yeah. On. I, I told him that's uh, that was one of the things that got me started too. And he he laughed. He's like, I I don't think we even have a copy of it anymore. Oh um, wow! And I'm struggling to find it uh, on on my desktop. I have it saved. He actually so in episode seventeen he mentions where you can go get his entire course for free because he didn't want to sell it anymore. Um, and it's on like a subdomain of his website. But that's funny. Uh, it sounds like we had a very similar journey, Isaac. Of like. <laughs> I, I just consumed podcast after podcast after podcast yeah. uh, on my drive to and from the Walmart distribution center. And, and I would go for a walk every day and I, uh, and I listened on 2X. So I was just pounding podcasts and just intaking information <laughs> and like trying to find something that made sense to me. And it's it's funny that we uh, kind of went through the same journey of knowing there had to be something else out there, but you know, not, not quite sure what it was. Yeah. Yeah, that's so funny. It's amazing that, you know, we're connected on, even onto the same the same PDF. <laughs> mm. Wow. But yeah, eventually I, 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 um, I heard, it, I know, um, a lot, a lot of people came in through to, to the dropship lifestyle course, which is of course where, uh, the course that you and I took, um, through Johnny FD. And I heard him on Terry Lynn's podcast. Uh, and that was a moment where it was like, ah, okay, this now I understand the mechanisms, uh, or at least at a very, very high level. Uh, and here's, you know, through the, this course, somebody will actually teach me the steps. Um, the thing that I got hung up with, uh, Andrew Udarian's, um, model was he said, you need to find something where you can add significant value. Um, and his example was his trolling, trolling motors, uh, website where he knew enough or CB radios or something, he had some knowledge or some, some way of adding value. And I thought, crap, what do I, what do I know about anything? Like I'm, I've not been, I'm not really much of a consumer. Um, I don't really geek out over products and things. So I'm like, I, I just buy what I need. I don't, I don't get super passionate into items. So I like how, what am I going to do? So here was this other way that supposedly, you know, you, you, you can just follow these steps. So that, that was really attractive. And it's funny looking back, I bet you, you, you understand it differently now, right? Like, I don't think Andrew had any extra knowledge in radios or in trolling motors. I think specifically what he meant by providing more value was providing more value than Amazon, uh, where Amazon simply just offering you a price. They have no customer service. They have no, like you're not like, they don't have blog posts describing the ins and outs of the, the, the CB radios and things like that. So, uh, that's interesting w what our mind will do when we're beginning to give us every reason to like not challenge ourselves. Right. Like, the, uh, our, our brains are powerful in so many ways, uh, and in so mm -hmm. many bad ways too. Right. Like trying to find ways to, to, to stay where we are. Right. They want homeostasis. Yeah, I think for me, it was just that um, I don't know how to do any of this. And so, um, you know, they're getting started on something where I have to make a lot of it up. It's like, I, I just don't know. But if there's if there's a path laid out, um, I'm going to choose that. That's 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 what I was thinking back then, I think. Did you did you have any uh, did you have any doubts on like what? 
what would be in the course versus what you heard. Like, I, I don't know about you, but when I first stumbled upon it, you know, I, I certainly saw Johnny and uh, uh, I think I listened to every episode Anton could possibly be on uh, on a yep. podcast. And I, <laughs> and I just assumed like that I would heard everything. Right. And that if I bought the course, it was just going to be the same stuff I'd heard. Um, again, just finding mm. more, finding more doubts personally. That's, that's what I thought. Uh, and so, uh, so I'm curious, like once you, once you got turned on to that course, how long did it take you to buy? And like, what, what were some of the, the doubts in your mind? Well, it was, I don't think I knew the, the steps. I, I, I don't think I knew the actual how to, um, and that's, that's why, why the course was so important to me. Um, and, and back then that I actually, I think I heard that when I heard Johnny, it was like September of 2013 or November or something, or even, I remember it was like a week or two and it was 200 bucks at the time. Can you believe that? Mm. Yeah. It's not what I paid. Well, I talked, yeah, <laughs> my, you know, to, back then that was like a considerable amount of money for something like that for me. Uh, not that we were really strapped, but you know, that just the idea of buying something, paying for a course was just a new thing to me. And I was like, what, what is this? Um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. <laughs> so it was new year's day of 2014 that I, I bought the course and I said, I'm just, I'm all in. And from then I was, I was all in, I was hustling, uh, late at night, every night, um, weekends, all of that. I love that you just, you went in. It's strange looking back, right? $200 right now for a course um, is nothing, right? Like that's absurd. It's absurd, right? (laughs) I I realized in 2014 or 2013, um, I don't think courses are what they were today, right? And so uh, the idea that that could replace your entire profession, that one course could change the trajectory of your life. I don't think was, was known back then. Uh, certainly I yeah. didn't know it when, you know, I, I paid a thousand for it a year later. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I certainly had no idea that that would be the catalyst to, to where, you know, the rest of my life was going to go. It's crazy. And you think like, I don't think I would have paid that much. And so I'm, I'm super, super grateful that I found it when I did, because just that, that mental leap of like, I'm going to pay this much money. Just my mind wasn't there, uh, that I, that I should pay that much money for something other than a car or something like that. Yeah. Well, whether it's $200 for you, a thousand dollars for me in 2015 or, or $20,000 for somebody today. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I think whatever that number is, is, is going to be different for everyone. And that, if it brings you to this wonderful, wonderful place of like your back is against the wall and it, uh, it forces action, uh, which is something I've talked about a lot. Like if I could bottle up that emotion of, of, Oh shit, I got to move. Um, that is, that is, you know, when you're in that place, uh, there's many different ways to get there, right? Buying that course. I'm sure you felt that, um, hitting rock bottom in, in other ways, right? There's, there's ways to get there. Um, but if I could bottle that up, I think I'd be unstoppable. There's just moments like that where it's like, I got to do this. Um, yeah. And, and you just, you get it done. All the excuses fade away and, and you get to work. Yeah. You know, for me, it's, it's weird. I think about this a lot because I have friends who, you know, they lost their job and financially speaking, their back was against the wall and they went out and they achieved greatness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I never had that particular moment. Um, but I remember like 
I mentioned the the moment in the bathroom, you know, just like, what am I doing here? <clears throat> I also had like just this, like this panic, like everything's great, but I'm in panic. Um, and I would, I would walk home. So I took the Metro and um, I would walk home from the Metro station is through the beautiful, calm neighborhood. But I would feel like inside um, I, I actually, the, the way I could describe it back then was I'm in a building, uh, I'm in a burning building. Why isn't anybody pulling the, the fire alarm? And it just, I, I, I got to get out of this building. That's, that's really what it felt like to me. Um, I had no other way of describing that. Um, and I'm just even describing that, you know, that, that feeling's coming back. Um, but so, so I had to do something. Um, and, and it's funny since then, like everyone has their own struggles. My struggle is not motivation. Um, I, I, I never struggled with actually doing the work. Yeah. I think that's rare. You know, uh, <laughs> at least yeah. from what I've seen, I, I, I certainly don't want to label everybody, but uh, I think we all have some sort of self-sabotage and, um, Again, again, our subconscious wants to keep us where we are, right? Change is scary because it's not it, it's not safe, right? Uh, we are these uh, primitive beings inside, um, and so it's crazy that you have no issue doing the work. So, what what was your struggle then? Just not not understanding what to do? Yeah, I think so. And if we skip forward a bit, you know, I've made tons of mistakes, um, and I think my biggest mistake. And, and I learned this in 2018. Um, so I, I built, you know, I had a, a couple failures in, um, in, in drop shipping stores. Um, and eventually I had something that worked and it was doing well. And then, and then 2018 came and, and my, my sales just started dropping and dropping and dropping. And, um, there's is a lot a lot of there's a lot to it um and there's actually a few different lessons that i use in different contexts but like um it i i started feeling bad about myself like what you know here i've been doing this for 4 years and what do i have to show uh, but a business that looks like it might just go to zero, zero. um and when I finally learned, you know, th this is where the bookkeeping stuff comes in, but like I finally found out actually what I was making. It turned out I was becoming more profitable on less revenue. And um, so, so first of all, the, the, what my brain had been telling me was, wasn't true, uh, but I was listening to it. Um, and, but, but the top line, yes, it was going down and, and nobody wants that. Um and, and uh, what I learned was I, when I look back through my journal, so I keep a journal and I can see what I've done, you know, over the year. And I can see that I've wasted so much time on all these great ideas. Like I'd hear an idea on a podcast for some marketing thing. And, and I would go and I'd spend a month doing that, neglecting everything else. <laughs> and so like that, those things added up to, you know, roughly a year of not really making progress on the fundamentals. And so, of course, when a business is stagnant, which is what happened, it's going to start to decline. 
Um, and so, you know, like my struggle is always knowing what I should, what I should be spending my time on to me, you know, there's a book, the one thing by Gary Keller, which is just amazing. You know, so the idea is, I mean, there's, a, there's the fundamental premise. The fundamental idea is it's actually hard to know what you should be doing and you should spend time, a considerable amount of time figuring out what that is, because otherwise, you know, who, who knows you're, you're not, if you want to, if you want to be effective, it's important what you choose to do. Um, and so for me, that was a big lesson. And I finally learned that. Um, and, and so choosing what I choose to do is, is really, really important, you know, at a high level and, and also at a day-to-day level. Um, and so, so to me, that, that was a big, that's, that's been my struggle. And, and I know, I know that if I had just paid attention to, to what you were doing and <laughs> other people, like I sold that store eventually. It, it did come back up. It actually skyrocketed, you know, cause I, I finally did focus on some things that made a difference. Um, and <clears throat> I sold that store and, and I was happy with the outcome, but I know for a fact, if I had just spent half of that time that I was wasting on other things on fundamentals, I could have sold that store for two or three times what I did, you know? Look, I have so many questions on what you just said. I've been taking notes this whole time. Really? Uh, all right. So let's go, let's throw it back for all, all the DSL folks listening or anybody that's early in e-commerce. Um, okay. I know, look, I know when I was listening, right? I'm sure in your journey, you still didn't stop consuming podcasts after podcast. After no. Podcast, right. <laughs> and you'd hear people be like, well, I failed once and then it made it and nobody fucking talks about their niches. So like hit me with it, man. What were the failed stores? And like, you know, if you had, what was, what was the successful store for all the DSL people listening? This is for you because I fucking hated it going through there of like, what could these people possibly be selling? I, yeah. I, I never knew. That, you know, that bothers me a bit. You know, I wish we could just talk openly. And, and of course, now that I'm not doing that, I, I have no problem go, <laughs> going back and talking. Open. Of course, we can talk openly. But yes, so the first, the first uh, business store that I tried was, it was called superrcshop.com. Nice. nice. Yes. Can we see this on Wayback Machine, do you think? Yeah, I'm sure you could find it. In I'm fact, there right I, now. I used to have an old blog. Um, that I wrote, I haven't updated in years, but you can find, I actually did a deep dive when I shut that thing down with screenshots and why I thought it didn't work. Um, so if you want to see all of those details, uh, you can, um, and that, that blog was called a new ordinary.com. I remember that. What was it? Super RC, what shop? Super RC shop. Let's see what. Yeah, so it sold at. RC cars, trucks, drones, helicopters, planes, all that kind of stuff. Um, and 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 I worked on that for like a year and three months, uh, and still never got above like two hundred dollars in profit in a month. Mm. And um, were the sales there, or the sales weren't there either? I had some sales back then. I thought it was good. I don't remember the numbers, but I might get. I don't know, 10 sales in a month or something. The margins were very low. Um, and every time I thought I was doing better, you know, it would go back down. 
but eventually, so here's the power of a mastermind. It was, uh, I went to the, the DSL retreat, the first one in Chiang Mai in 2014 and met some awesome dudes who I'm still in touch with. And, uh, we formed a mastermind and they were fine. They were like hassling me. Isaac, you got to shut this thing down. You got to shut it down. I said, but I haven't tried. I haven't tried content marketing. I haven't tried this. I haven't tried that. I can make this work. (laughs) They're saying, no, you got to stop, man. And finally, I just listened to them. No, got to shut it down. It doesn't look that bad. I'm on I'm on Web Archive. So if anybody wants to check it out, web.archive.org. Uh, I think I'm looking in like March 2016, one of those uh, snapshots. It doesn't look that bad. Like, uh, I think this is pretty good out of the gates. Uh, so, so this failed, right? You're saying uh, they told you to shut it down. I'm guessing, you know, look, e-commerce is an easy game, right? It's CAC versus LTV. Can you acquire a customer for less than the lifetime value of the customer? E-commerce is honestly a simple game. And so I would assume they were telling you, you know, without trying a bunch of other things, like if you can't be profitable out of the gates with with ads, which is super easy in the dropshipping game, I would say, um, they told you not to move on. Is that is that correct? Yeah, I mean, there was a method, right? It was laid out in the course. I've been following that and having no success. So, you know, why keep why keep trying? It, this isn't the one that's going to work. So try another one. So the next one was Aria Chairs. And it was, um, uh, it started out as those home massage chairs, you know, like you might find in, what is that Brookstone or mm-hmm. anyway, you know, these $3,000 chairs that, that you could sit in and have a massage, you see them in malls, um, but they sell them for the home too. So I thought, okay, that's going to be it. And, um, tried that for a while. Couldn't just couldn't, couldn't get it to work. Couldn't make any sales. Um, and so I thought crap again, you know, this is a painful process. Um, well, I have a website. The website looks pretty nice. Um, that's one thing that I think that I do bring, um, from my design days is I I have an eye for design. Um, so I was like, okay, can I repurpose this? Well, the, the, the title is Aria chairs. So let me try and find some other chairs to sell. So I went through and I thought home, home theater chairs. I thought, uh, when that didn't work, I thought, okay, well just how about living room furniture? you know, recliners that didn't work. Eventually that my, the guys in my mastermind, uh, shout out guys, you guys rock. Um, <laughs> they were telling me, Isaac, this is happening again. <laughs> you keep trying to make things work. It's not working. I'm like, dang it. So I said, okay, I, there's one other kind of massage chair that I have seen when I was doing my research. Uh, let me try that. And it was something called a pedicure chair. I had never seen one, didn't even know what it was. Yeah, I know what a pedicure is, but I've never had one. Didn't know what it was like when women go to the nail salon, that sort of thing. Like, um, <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, let me see if I can do this. And, and within like a week, I sold one for like $5,000. Um, and I'm, uh, my profit on that was like $1,000. So I was like, whoa. <laughs> Uh, so that, that worked and that that became the business that I worked on for the next four years, Aria chairs. And it became a salon furniture store. 
uh, hair salons, nail salons, anything. You go get your hair cut, you sit in a chair, you look at a mirror, there are tables in there, nail salon, same thing, massage uh, studio, same thing. Anything in there is what I sold. Um, so I did that for, for a long time. Didn't even know what it was that I was selling. <laughs> was the RC cars the only failed one for you? Yeah. I mean, I considered the Aria chairs, I consider it failure over and over. It just It was a new niche several times um, just with the same website. Mm. So you started with just RC cars, moved to drone, like you just kept like pivoting while you were in the same URL is what you're saying? With the with the chair store, yeah. With the arts RC cars, it was I mean, I didn't see it that way then. All right, I'm gonna throw some more out there in case people are bored and they want to see, right? So uh the very first one I ever did was brickfirebbq.com. I never actually launched that store, but uh feel free to go look. Uh I downloaded the biggest picture of salmon you've ever seen on the front uh that's in web archive there's only one in there uh but it does load uh it moved from there to the 3d printer guy.com uh i actually sold that one uh, about eight or nine somewhere around there nine months after um after i actually bought it from somebody who was sick in the forums he had like two suppliers and i was like ah oh, that'll get me mm. out of calling suppliers um yeah it didn't uh anyway so the 3d printer guy.com trying to think of some other ones that uh pelletgrillpros.com uh i sold that website you can check that one out um i'd love to just spill all the beans right i i, I know for uh, if you get this <laughs> into the dsl group like it would help so many people to just see just see a few stores um yeah because i know in the beginning that was like a big pain of mine of like what, what are these mm-hmm. people selling um you know, specifically uh, some of the influencers that were out there, right? I was really genuinely curious what they were doing and uh, kudos to them. They weren't doing that great, but they convinced me to start and, and I wouldn't be where I am without them. So, um, yeah, yeah. I just, uh, again, if anybody from, you know, the beginning of their journey is going along, uh, go check out those sites, man. I think you'll be blown away that it's, they're not that impressive, right? You just got to go. You know what I learned? Uh, and because eventually you do see other people's stuff and and it's not some big secret but uh i learned that it doesn't really matter what your if your if your website is pretty or not and and that's what people spend so much time doing and it's not again going back to this idea of what's the most important thing to be spending my time on it's not making it pretty because believe me guys even in 2020 I have seen and I know people who are doing extraordinarily well with a website that you would be shocked with. Like this, wait, wait, what? Like that kind of, uh, you know, just really, really ugly. Um, And so, yeah, what is the most important thing to be spending your time on? That's what you should always be asking yourself. And you probably don't have the answer. That's why coaching, even though I'm saying this, I think coaching is important. I still have trouble getting myself to pay a coach. Yeah. I'm over that. Honestly, I, I spend a lot of money on coaches and it's the, the best thing I've ever done. Uh, certainly every time I've had to make those payments, it's been like, oh, that sucks. Um, but it, it always, I mean, you're leveling up. Uh, you're just paying to level up rather than like you're everything in life is going to cost you either time or money. And so I, I don't know. I'd rather jump the line. Uh, coaching's one of the best things I've ever done. It's, you know, it's been a great gift to be able to give that back as well. Uh, I've done some 
uh, a large amount of coaching in my time. It's actually led to some partnerships, which one of them led to my biggest exit yet. And so, um, yeah, co- both sides of coaching has been one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me. So I, I'm genuinely curious, like how long did it take you to get moving here? Right. So like, and, and, and where, where did, uh, your career fall off there? Cause I think if I remember back, you, you, like just up and moved into to your wife's parents. Do I remember that correctly? <laughs> like you just were like, I'm going all in, which is admirable, right? It's, um, it's even scary for me to say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So going back to 2014, um, you know, my plan was, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to hustle at night and on weekends. Um, and I'm going to put this thing together. And it took me like five months to actually launch and get sales. That was with the RC store. Um, and then, yeah, I went, I, at some point I just, de- I decided that, well, you can either, if you, you can either half asset or you can all go all in. And I've heard stories of people doing both successfully. And as you may be able to tell, I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm not a logical kind of person. I'm more of the emotional kind of person and I just have to do things. And so, so I just had to like this idea of waiting was just intolerable to me. And so, um, at some point during that year, I I thought, you know, I I could do this. I could get where I want to go in, I don't know, three to five years by doing this, you know, a few hours a day, or if I go all in and I spend all of my time doing that, well, a lot of my time doing this, um, Maybe I can do it in a year. And so that was the idea. Um, and so <laughs> somehow, you know, I, can, I convinced my wife that we should both quit our jobs. Like I said, we were living in the, the D.C. area, uh, sell our condo, sell everything we own, uh, well, almost everything, and drive across the country and move in with my parents um, and ship what we can't sell there. And that's what we did. <laughs> and what would and, your wife say if we asked her about this right now? Like looking back, what like that had to be an enormous moment in your lives, in your relationship. Yeah. Yeah. She, she, we talk about it. Uh, I wouldn't say regularly, but not entirely infrequently. She, she says, I, if I had known, uh, you know, you promised me riches. <laughs> she does it in a, in a, a sort of a, a, a lighthearted way. Uh, but she's serious about it. You know, y- y- this is not what was promised to me. <laughs> this has taken far longer than than uh, you said. And, you know, we're still not rich. <laughs> um, so, but, but it's been fun, right? It's, I mean, it's been fun for me. <laughs> and it's been fun. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm joking a bit, but. Yeah, I mean, there's been all kinds of good things that have come out of this. You know, I've I've got to spend a lot more time with my daughter. You know, we we would have had her in daycare for the whole day. You know, like and going to school and then date. Like, I can I've I've driven her to school and picking her up every day for five years. Right, that's awesome, and I get to spend time with her in the afternoon. Um, you know, I make. So, so that's not an intangible, um, and, and that, you know, it eventually the money has come, 
not in not in as big of a way as I w- wanted. Uh, of course, we always, you know, we have our goals, and then and then we always fall short, right? Um, but you hear your language right there. What you you just said? We always fall short of those goals. If you set a high goal, I mean, I've never hit the moon goal. Have you? Well, maybe you have, but you just used a definitive again. You said I never, right? Uh, sorry, I, just, I have been, never. I've been paying very much attention to like language patterns recently. After somebody mm. called me out for calling myself really? the, big, the big guy all the time and saying certain things that I say that I had no idea I was saying, uh, and so now I'm just starting to see them in others. Right? You're, you're using definitives mm. there of like we always, you always fall short of your goals. Right? I never get to my goals. Like um, it's those limiting beliefs that we impose on ourselves that stop us from mm. getting where we want to go. Yeah, I mean, there's some truth there. Yeah, <laughs> making you. I think, think today. you know, like, uh, yeah, no, but I mean, I mean, that's that's the truth. I haven't hit those goals. So that that's that's what I'm trying to say. Yet, they're um, coming. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and I believe that um, in my head, at least. I would I would imagine like looking back that you guys have no regrets, right? Like uh, no. entrepreneurship is a is a no. self development journey that uh, I wish it upon everyone. Like I can't imagine yeah. getting to, you know, I, I assume we're right around the same age. I can't imagine getting to late twenties or thirties and then like that's it. Like there's no more growth left in life. You might yeah. have some children, but there's no more career growth. Uh, you know, there's no. I don't know. I, I wouldn't trade entrepreneurship for the world. Yeah. To me, that's what I always say about it is it's, it's really like, I think it's the best personal development program out there. And and it's, I mean, it's not free, but it's, it's up to you, you know, um, because you're not going to make anything happen unless you're willing to put in the work and then see the result and then look, because the only answer is you, right? Either you made it happen or you didn't. And if you didn't, you've got to figure out why. Yeah, and I think my favorite part is is between your ears, man. Honestly, I, I'm discovering as we go along that like all the information's out there. Uh, you know, for me, it was it was me holding myself back. For you, it was like you were willing to do the work, but you were trying to find the plan. And 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 both of those mm-hmm. answers are out there, right? They're like that's yeah. That's the power of entrepreneurship is like pushing through all those blocks. Um, uh, and, and yeah, yeah, I've just discovered it's it's between everyone's ears. Everyone I coach, it's the same thing. Like that, I'm not providing them massive new information, um, but I'm allowing them to see that they can do things. So, right? I don't, I don't know. It's a, uh, an unbelievable journey that we go through as entrepreneurs of, of of forcing ourselves to continue pushing to the next level and the next level and the next level and, and pushing through the really the mental BS that exists in all of us. Absolutely, and I, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it for anything. Like this is. Um, this has been so fulfilling, particularly the last year. Um, it, I wouldn't, I really wouldn't trade it for anything. And, and I joke about the conversations with my wife, uh, but <laughs> she's on the same page, you know, it's like this, this is, this has been enormous for, 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 for me, for us, for my daughter. It's yeah. I mean, it's awesome. Hey, you know what we should, before we move on to the next topic, we should, you should point that out, point out that I was defensive. Like this is, Hey, we're all still working on it, you know? And, and it's good. Yeah. It's always, we got to keep continuing to work on ourselves. And, um, I know that I do have some limiting beliefs, 
I don't always know what they are. Um, but I know that, that, that I have them, especially around money. Um, and I don't, you know, like I always, I feel bad about, um, asking for money, you know? Yeah. But I think, I think we all have those limiting beliefs, right? So I've mentioned a few of mine before. Honestly, if you want to go listen to this, uh, my coach, Elliot Rowe, was on episode five, uh, and he dives into some of the things that him and I have been working on. And then um, specifically around money, my friend Bree Sedano uh, was on episode three. Uh, She aims to change the national conversation on debt. Um, And and by doing so, she's literally working on the inner game. And so, look, I think we all have these, these inner... I don't even want to call them demons. It's, it's, it's programming, right? It's the way we were taught growing up that, um, we were taught by people who were doing the best they possibly could in their situation. Um, and they may not have known the right things, but now we have better information. And so we need to make better decisions. And so, um, look, I've, I've gone on the same journey, right? Like, uh, I've paid Elliot Rowe, uh, tens of thousands of dollars, uh, to do, you know, to do hypnotherapy and to be in like last week I was in Utah with, uh, all the people in his mastermind and, and just to be able to talk about, um, the, the inner work and, and talk about the things that most people don't talk about every day in order to, to push through those limiting beliefs. And, uh, and again, I, I'm just going to call it what it is. It's mental BS, man. It's honestly, it's just, it's, it's garbage. Yeah. There's two other notes I took from what you were just talking about. Number one, uh, um, I'm sure you're familiar with traction. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Have, you, have you ever tried to combine traction and the one thing that's where I found my sweet spot of like, um, mm. work, do your three years, you know, do your three-year goal, do your one-year goal, uh, work back to your quarterly rocks, and then like you should be able to narrow down from your quarterly rocks to the one thing uh, that you need to do every day. Yeah. That, like combining those two books has been fantastic. That's awesome, man. See, now we're getting tactical. Like, um, <laughs> I love, I love, like my, I love taking in enormous amounts of information and figuring out which things I connect with and then realizing, wait a minute, this book is talking about something very similar to that book, Mm. but in a slightly different way. And I wonder if these people, if they knew each, you know, like these, these connections, I think my favorite thing is making all of those connections and then making a new hole out of all of these pieces. Mm. Um, So yeah, I take in, uh, you know, both those two books, a lot of other books. Um, so when we talk you know, business planning, um, team building systems, like any of these kinds of things, or even the big, big, bigger picture things, I love to make my new puzzle out of all of these pieces. That's, I just love that. I love that you went operations though. Like that's not where my head goes ever. Uh, I think I said that to you. You were, you were talking yeah. about SOPs or something. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, that sounds awful. And you're like, I love it. And I was like, well, that's good. Like, <laughs> I'm glad somebody out there, like, I don't know. I just can't, the operation side is so mind numbing for me. Um, where I just, I want to think about growth, growth, growth. Um, uh, you know, hopefully somebody else can build the foundation that I can pour gasoline on. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's funny. I think I'm somewhere in between like those you and maybe the, the detail kinds of kind of person who's really operation heavy. I think I'm probably somewhere in the middle. Um, I have a, a love and appreciation for both. I can go so far into the, the operations. Like I'll get, I'll, I'll do these things at a bigger picture um, or a medium level. Um, but going down into the 
actual nuts and bolts is kind of tedious for me, but mm. I can do it if I have to. Um, but yeah, I, I, to me, like you, you just said there, you want somebody else to do the foundation. You want to pour gasoline on it. Um, this is something that, that I've realized in the last few years is everybody wants to talk about marketing and sales <laughs> and, um, but the reality is if you get, if you get all of those sales, if that happens tomorrow and you are struggling to f- fulfill the orders that you have today, you're going to crumble. You're going to destroy yourself. And so like the way I see it, you know, and I always, I, and I go back to my architecture days, you know, the, the foundation, you know, a lot of work goes into that foundation. And when you're looking at the building, you don't see it. But if it wasn't there, the building would fall down. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I mean, so to me, like scale really is, um, I see scale as, okay, sales, that stuff is nice and it's critical and it's important. Uh, but if you don't have the ability to actually do what you promise with those sales, um, bad things are going to happen. Mm. But speaking of, of traction in that line of books, right? When you combine those two things, that, that is rocket fuel, right? Uh, mm-hmm. when you bring in somebody who can handle the operations and build the foundation and you bring in somebody who just likes to spray gas everywhere. Uh, <laughs> like it, it's rocket fuel, yeah. right? That's what that book yep. is. Um, and I literally just did that in my business. I actually took that assessment with, uh, with Leighton, who's now my partner, and, and he wanted to operate. And I was like... We took the test and uh, it's amazing to, to like anybody who's listening, go to, uh, I think it's just markcwinters.com uh, and take the rocket fuel test and, and find out where do you fall on that spectrum? Are you more of the integrator or are you more of uh, the visionary? And um, yeah, it was interesting to see how visionary I was. I leaned way far on that side of the spectrum, but um, <laughs> Leighton and I, honestly, it was like a puzzle piece. And so um, we've only been uh, working on scaling for about two months now but it's been incredible to just like not think about all the shit i hate thinking about uh uh and just lean into what i'm good at and, and know that there's somebody there working on that foundation because you, you can't have one without the other yeah that's awesome man good for you you know when you do have the you know both of those it, i mean yeah exactly like you said that that's awesome and we had the same same sort of thing in the in the business I just exited, right? I was able to kind of sit up there, and we had, uh, you know, my part one partner handling all of the marketing side, and one partner handling all of like the integrator side, and uh, and we saw massive growth, right? We went, you know, from one million to eleven mm-hmm. million in two years, um, and it, traction says it, right? The right people in the right seats, and um, honestly, it's, yeah. it is rocket fuel from there. Uh, I can't recommend those two books enough. So if there's anybody listening who's like, "What's traction? What's rocket fuel?" Like, just go buy them. You yeah. will not re- you will not regret buying either one of those books or both of those books. They're awesome. Um, yeah. As a great transition, speaking of regrets, uh, you mentioned selling your store and, and, and it, I've, I've sold, I think eight businesses now, or I've exited eight businesses. Wow. Um, and so I have some regrets, uh, huh. <laughs> kind of looking back of like, fuck, if I only knew what I knew now, what I could do with those businesses. So I'm genuinely curious now that you've been out of, uh, Aria chairs for a year, maybe two years now. Yeah. Um, looking a, back, yeah. like what regrets do you have? as far as like exiting that business. Cause I'm sure you got, uh, you know, I'll call it life changing money, right? Like it wasn't, um, millions and millions of dollars, of course, but like it was, it's anything over a few years salary is life changing money. It's going to alter the trajectory of where you can go, the options that you do have. And so, um, you, I'm sure you celebrated that, that day, like a lot, but like what, what are, what are the regrets looking back? Yeah, no, I, I actually have none. 
I'm very happy that I did that. Uh, yeah, I don't have any regrets. My re regrets are the mistakes I made in the years leading up to that, and by limiting the, you know, the the value that 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 business had, but the the actual selling of it and making that decision, no regrets, none. Wow, one of the best things I've ever done. Yeah, that's all, it's hard for me to. Um... Honestly, it's hard for me to believe that. You don't look back and you're like, man, if I only knew what I knew now, I could change some things. No, no, not at all. I was so burned out with that that store. You know, like we, salon furniture. Uh, you, you know, I have no interest. I, I said, I didn't even know what that product was the first time I sold it. Um, and I had no interest in that. Um, the people, you know, like... The, our customers, yeah, they're they're nice people, but I have nothing in common with a salon owner. Um, yeah, no, no interest whatsoever. I did that for four years. Um, I was proud of what I did. I I was, I, I think I did some good work. Um, but it was time to move on and do other things. And what I'm doing now, I'm far more more fulfilled in. Like it's it's night and day difference. So yeah, I mean, like <laughs> that was uh, I'm no regrets at all. So I mean, I'm glad to hear there's no regrets, but I, I think there's a lesson to be learning here as far as that transition. So in the beginning, we're all either chasing pleasure or running away from pain, right? That's pretty much life. Um, and so you were obviously running away from pain um, yeah. from your career, uh, and you were chasing pleasure too, right? Like you needed to fulfill your obligation to your wife to to make her rich and mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, and not just move to the West Coast without that, right? And so. Um, but once you did that, right, once you sold your business, I would assume that, that, that alleviated both of those. And so you were able to actually focus on what you want to do. Uh, and so talk me through that transition. Cause I, I like, I knew you before, uh, and certainly had heard your voice, but I never, I, I never thought, man, Isaac should do a podcast. Right. Or <laughs> boy, boy, I bet bookkeeping is right up his alley or hiring. Right. So I, like, I'm, I'm struggling with that transition. I'd love for you to walk me through like, yeah, uh, you know, how, first off, I'm sure it was relief. Right. Uh, oh, your bank yeah. account says a number you've never seen before. It's a wonderful, wonderful yes. feeling. But it doesn't take long before you're like, okay, what's next? And so yeah. uh, talk me through that transition. <laughs> Dude, that is so funny. Taking me back. Yeah, if you would have told me two years ago I'd own a bookkeeping company, I would have looked at you like, what? <laughs> it makes no sense. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, the, the the funny thing for me was that money, that number hitting the bank account. Um, it was like it was a sigh of relief because you sold a bunch of businesses. I imagine at at this point, this probably seems like a normal kind of process for you, but for me, it was it was the super super scary. Um, just the goes wrong in the sale the deal goes back and then i have to take this back like just all of the, <clears throat> all of those fears and worries uh that was a stressful time the the same thing happened to me actually like uh and i think i've mentioned this before uh i sold it and it immediately started tanking um oh like they <laughs> i answered the phones right and i'm gonna close every sale because it's my business and and I, I want that money uh where they put an employee um, with a heavy accent on the phones and, and I, and I don't think it worked out 
in their favor. They weren't closing any of the phone calls, which everything was a phone call for me. And so that first business I sold, I, I had legitimate worries. And, and we got on a call with the owners of uh, Empire Flippers. Uh, Joe, I think, is who we got on the call with. Um, and, and these guys were, like, screaming at both of us, insisting wow. that they want their money back. And, and thankfully, Empire Flippers was like, uh, I don't see anything wrong here. Everything seems to be operating the same except for you guys. And then they started yelling at him. And so he politely told him to fuck off and call his lawyers and then that was the end of the call but i went through that whole month and a half of like thinking it was my fault that somehow it was my fault they took over the business and it wasn't performing and like uh you know i had i had worries right because i got paid for me it was like a year's salary which was life-changing for me yeah. um, on that first business and so i went through a lot of those same things i totally understand what you're talking about wow <laughs> oh gosh i can't imagine no, that, that was what I was trying so desperately to avoid. Um, like, cause exactly that, like, what if, what, I mean, you don't know what this person's going to do and you know, what the results are going to be. Um, oh my gosh, that's crazy. But there had to be a moment a month later, right? Like when, whenever you're past the window of, of those insecurities where you were elated, I hope, right? Like, I hope the fears went away. Yeah, 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 the fears fears were gone eventually, and and in fact, the interesting thing is, I'm um, I'm friends with the guy now uh, who who bought that. I actually even interviewed him on my podcast, um, and and um, I he he was he was wanting me to be involved after it was done, and I was like, no man, I'm just so done with this. I want nothing to do with this business. And eventually I realized, <laughs> you know, I did just give away all my income and uh, he, he wanted me to stay on and do the uh, advertising management, which was really just Google, Google shopping for the most part. I thought, you know, that is discreet enough that I could just do this, you know, like an hour a week or whatever, um, if that. And, um, so I did I stayed on, um, and, and I, I talked with him, he, he ended up buying more businesses and, and, um, so yeah, eventually I think it was just, it, there was a gradual like realization that, okay, this guy's competent. And, and also for, it's not just like, I don't want bad things to happen. I, I put a lot of my life and energy and in, into this thing. I don't want to see it just die. Um, so eventually I realized no, this is actually going to be just fine. And in fact, it was growing um, afterwards. And, and I felt, I've just felt really good about the whole thing. Really, really good. So where was the transition for you into podcasting uh, of like, you know, certainly you're in a good place again, but uh, I know every entrepreneur just goes, what's next, right? Like um, exactly a recurring thought in my head. So where was the shift? I promised myself that I would give m I used to be, you know, it's funny. I used to be what I would, could, I would describe as a lazy person. Um, and you saw, I think it's weird. I think my personality has changed, actually changed over the last five or six years. Um, and so I, it, it had been such a long time. I remember actually between taking that really terrible job and the really great job, I said, I'm going to need to, I'm going to need a week off before I come take start with you. And I just sat on the couch. I really did, did nothing, watched movies, played video games. Um, it was glorious. <laughs> and so I thought, you know what? I'm going to do that again. I've got nothing to do. 
Um, and so I, th- I said, I'm going to, I'm going to dedicate two weeks. No, make that a month. I've achieved something. I'm going to give myself a month to do nothing. <laughs> and so about three days in, I'm sitting on the couch watching who knows what, uh, I got the old PlayStation out. I'm playing this game and I'm like, this kind of sucks. Um, <laughs> I had my computer next to me. I brought up the old, um, you know, the, the, the Facebook groups with all the, the entrepreneurs in there and I start chatting and, uh, it's like, oh, oh, let me, and, and actually, you know, like these people have helped me so much, you know, I, I wouldn't be where I am without the help of others. So I'm like, well, I've got nothing to do. Let me just, um, see if I can help some people out. And so I thought, one of the things that I actually, that I struggled with for all those years, and I briefly mentioned earlier is bookkeeping. You know, I hired accountants and it felt like what they gave me was garbage and, um, or at least that experience wasn't useful to me. And I finally figured it out. So I thought, why don't I just help other people? Maybe, maybe some other people have the same experience and they could use this sort of, and, and by the way, when you have good bookkeeping, the reason I was so interested in it was not just the numbers, but it's what it did for me emotionally. Because like I said, back, you know, my brain was telling me like, Isaac, your business is failing. You got to do something to pull yourself out of this hole. Um, You're going to have nothing, right? That's scary stuff. And if I had just had numbers that I understood, um, like I eventually did because I did my own deep dive, I could look at that and go, oh, well, that's not true. Truth, truth illuminates. And as soon as I had that experience, the weight was like lifted off my shoulders, my face, uh, you know, the tension uh, dropped, my stomach felt better. That's what it did for me. And so I thought, yeah, maybe I can help some people out like that. Um, and so I did. I spent a couple of weeks. I helped people. I taught people how to do it the way I was doing it. And when I saw we would do Skype calls and I, you know, I didn't ask for payment or anything. And, and, and just, I taught them how to do this and I could see the relief in their face when they knew they had the same experience I did. And that, that's when I realized, okay, number one, there's something here. This is important. Uh, number two, holy crap. I've been having so much fun talking with awesome people for four hours today. I need to do this more. This I've been missing. You know, I built a, a small team for my e-commerce business, but we're not peers. You know, e-commerce people are awesome. I love hanging out with these people. Um, so I, I need to, whatever I do next, I need to incorporate that kind of a thing. So that was sort of like two, two pieces all at the same time. So did, where, where were you getting your, your first people to help? Was it in the, in the like dropship lifestyle Facebook group? The, yeah. Yeah. The people I was helping with bookkeeping. Is that what you mean? Yeah. I mean, I just love to know how businesses work, right? Like stories are wonderful. Um, and certainly I want to cheer you on, but like understanding how, how it started, I think is helpful to a lot of people of like, you wanted to, 
you wanted to help people. And so how did you go find those first people to help? Yep, exactly. That was right. I just posted in that group. I posted in some other places. I said, hey, uh, I've got this spreadsheet that really helps me. Um, I'd like to just give it to you. Uh, anybody need help with this? And a whole bunch of people wanted to talk. Um, and and that's that's how it starts. How does that transition into a business, Isaac? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Uh, and, and, and I, I believe this strongly now. Um, and I've, I've seen this in other places. I've seen it applied in different ways. I really do believe if you want to start a business, go out and see if somebody actually wants it. Uh, and there's a few ways that you can do that. But one, the easiest way is just to offer to help somebody do whatever it is for free and see if it's, see if you can get a result for someone. If not, um, then maybe you shouldn't spend, you know, six months trying to start this business. Um, and so, so, I mean, I kind of had some idea that that's what I was doing. Um, and, and so that, yeah, that's, that's what I did. I, I, you start for free or charge somebody something, but the point is you gotta, you gotta actually get some results for somebody, I think. Um, and then you see like, oh, okay, well that little piece of it didn't work. I need to do this a little bit differently. Um, so yeah, I mean, eventually, uh, I had actually put in actually now that I'm thinking about it towards the end of, as I was selling that business, I did know that I had something special with this bookkeeping process. Um, and I kind of hoped that other people might find it useful too. Um, and so I had this idea that I might ha eventually have a business that did something like this. Um, exactly what that was, I didn't know. But these people that I was helping were like, wow, this is amazing. You make me feel better. Um, and y this is so important. Uh, Isaac, you just gotta, you gotta help more people. And so I thought maybe what I would do is start a course teaching people how to do that. But then I realized it's actually more, a little too complicated probably. So maybe I should just do this for people. Um, and so that's what I did. Uh, eventually one of those people asked if he's like, man, this is, this is great and all, but I, I just don't want to do this. Can you do it for me? I, I said, sure. <laughs> and so that was it. Well, I love that you kind of went back, you know, to the same community and started serving them. I would assume you're doing bookkeeping for more than just high ticket dropshipping at this point. Yeah. I mean, that's where most people know me. And so, um, that most of the people are, um, but yeah, I mean, we have people who are Amazon sellers, um, not just drop shippers. No, but Amazon's a nightmare, right? So I have a bookkeeper too. I think I actually talked to you when you were starting this of like, I was in the hunt for this. Um, it's not super easy to get your numbers straight on Amazon. So it's interesting uh, to hear anybody who's like, I want to do that. Like I said, <laughs> operations aren't my thing, right? So when you tell me, heck yeah, I want to do this. Uh, uh, it's in number one, it's inspiring, right? Like to help people is inspiring. Um, but I, I do try to get inside the psyche of somebody who likes things different than me. So I can just try to understand. <laughs> well, the funny thing is I don't like that stuff. Um, I, I just like the result. I like what it does for you, for you as a person emotionally. Um, doing the actual work, I hate, I hate that stuff. And now I don't do any of it. Um, 
I built a team around, around that. Um, so yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, if, if you can make an impact on someone, you know, you don't have to be the one doing all of that work. Um, but you should know, you should know about it. <laughs> right. Um, and, and eventually, you know, like I, I had planned on, you know, it's funny how this evolved. I had planned on, uh, just using that crazy spreadsheet that I made. Um, and, uh, everybody that, that wanted, uh, to work with me, I would just use that spreadsheet. That's, that's what I planned on doing. And I planned on having a, like a super cheap VA to just data enter this stuff. I found out really quickly that does not work. Uh, number one, everybody's business is not exactly the same as mine. So the same exact things don't work. And, um, and you actually do have to have, um, some, a real bookkeeper <laughs> with real training. Um, and so I was actually, I was kind of in a panic. I had like, uh, a 10, uh, 10 customers at this point. And, um, I'm like, this is becoming apparent. This is just not working. And so I was actually at, uh, a meetup with the DC. I don't know if you or listeners are familiar with the, the dynamite circle. Uh, it's a com- entrepreneur community. They have meetups. And so I was at this meetup. I go every, every month or used to go every month. Um, and now who the guy who's my partner now, Jason, was there. And I was like, guys, this is amazing. I can't believe I've I've done this, but holy crap, I don't know what I'm doing. And he was like, oh, well, you should do this. You should do that. You should do that. And I knew him, but I didn't know. Turned out he, he had 20 years of experience in accounting and bookkeeping and had run bookkeeping businesses before. It's like, whoa. So that was like amazing timing. Uh, and I know him, he's a friend. Um, and so we partnered up and so he's just taken over the operations of all of that. Uh, we've transitioned to a proper accounting platform zero. Um, so it's, you know, like the way I see entrepreneurship is just go make a mess, see if you can achieve something and then figure out how to, how to actually do it the right way. Once you see that this actually can work. Uh, the universe seems to put stuff right in front of you, right? Like, uh, I don't know, that's happened all throughout my journey, uh, just exactly how you described it, of like, oh shit, and then solution right in front of your face, right? Of like you going to that meetup. Um, so how did the podcast get started? You said you like you enjoyed talking to entrepreneurs as you were figuring out this bookkeeping thing. Uh, what got you to actually launch that? Um, yeah, well, I realized that's a, something I just need to do more of. And one thing that hit me really hard when I sold the business, when I was really done, and, and I knew it would hit me, I just didn't realize how hard it would hit me because I actually started another dropshipping store while I was waiting for that to sell. Um, and I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'll probably, I should probably just do this so I don't have to waste a bunch of time. Um, and it hit me so hard, like, you know what? I don't have to do this. I can do whatever I want. And um, 
you know, I've had all of these ideas for many years. Um, what I love most about entrepreneurship is you're trying to do something and you think that's what you're doing. But in reality, yeah, of course you're doing that, but you're building all of these skills. So I learned how to hire people and not just people, amazing people, better people than other people or better. <laughs> I'm able to hire people and have a better result than other people I see. Uh, that's one thing. I know how to do phenomenal customer service. I know how to do bookkeeping. I like that list just goes on and on. And for you, I know there's a lot of things you're, you're marketing, you know, you, so as you're doing something, you're building all of these skills that other people don't have. And if you can combine them in unique ways, uh, and, and I didn't know this at the time, but like Scott Adams, the Dilbert guy, he, he calls that um, skill stacking, I think. Um, and that's just so exciting where that can lead you if you allow it to. Like you, you talk about the universe just puts, the, puts things in, out there for you. If you allow that to happen, all you have to do is allow that. You don't have to seek it out. Just allow it. And it's just amazing what happens. So I had all of these ideas swirling around in my head for years, things that I would like to do, but I'm just too busy focused on the day-to-day uh, e-commerce stuff to really give it any thought. Uh, but as soon as I don't have anything to do, that stuff starts to fall into place. Um, and by the way, something that I've learned I've learned my most productive, my highest value days are days I take off because I come up with a new business idea, you know, and that's going to be, make way more money than, you know, whatever thing I was doing during the day anyway. But that's sort of a, a side note. But um, to me, the podcast, I realized I wanted to do all of these things and the podcast would be, if I could do a podcast, that would be the glue that will tie all of these things together. I could meet awesome people who I might want to collaborate with and uh, I could tell people the things that I'm doing and they could come join me doing these things. So like the podcast is really just perfect. Like um, number one, connecting with awesome people. Number two, I might get to do things with those people. Number three, I get to learn. So if nobody ever listens, it's worth doing. Uh, and number four, if people do listen, and it turns out they will, if you're doing really interesting stuff, they get to learn just as much as me. Um, and I can say, hey, do you need help with your bookkeeping or whatever? So it's just like, you know, they say win-win. It's like win-win-win-win-win. It's, it's just been huge for me. And incredibly fulfilling. Yeah, I think everybody needs to create in some way, right? And so um, podcast is it for me. I can sit behind a microphone and, and talk to other entrepreneurs all day long. I love learning. I love giving. Um, and, and podcasting turns into an interesting pipeline, right? Like a deal flow comes in, your, your audience building at the same time. And um, But I do think everybody needs to find their own place they like to create. Like it might be blogging. It might be podcasting. It might be videos. It might be... Uh, many other forms of creating um 
but for mm-hmm. me, it's been podcasting. And so did you find that? Like, I'm sure you've written a few blogs for Aria Chairs back in the day or, um, you know, you had your own blog as well, uh, A New Ordinary. I remember you uh, talking about that way back in the day. I don't know if it's still around yeah. or not, um, but, you know, it's still kind there. of... Did you yeah. kind of fall into your own in podcasting? Has it been the the thing for you to be able to create and, and uh, you know, be fulfilled? Oh, yeah. This has been huge. There's nothing that I have ever done outside of having a family that has been as enjoyable and fulfilling. Nothing. It's been life-changing. No joke. It's amazing. And I... I can't believe I get to do this, you know, like <laughs> all the time. I'm just like, holy crap, I get to do that. And yeah, it's awesome. Well, again, I love to ask the harder question. So tell me, wh- where is your pipeline of, of guests come from? Like at, at some point, I'm sure you started with a, a laundry list of like, I want to talk to all these people. Uh, and then they start drying up. Right. And so where does where does your pipeline of, of guests come from? Um. Well, at the start, so I've mentioned already that I'm in the DC community. Um, and so I guess sort of to, before I answer that uh, specific question, just that putting yourself out there in the universe, here's what I, here's one big lesson I learned last year or this, whenever I started doing all this is if you start talking about things that you're doing. And in the e-commerce community, sometimes we're guarded about, ooh, I don't want to let anybody know my niche or, you know, like, so we have this wall up. Um, But if you start talking about what you're doing and you're interested in it, you're passionate, other people will be interested too. And they'll come to you. So like I mentioned, my my partner came that way. You know, if I had been like, oh, hush, hush, I don't want to talk about everything. Um, you know, he might not have been interested. Uh, same thing here. I just started talking about, I'm really excited about doing this podcast, uh, and, and also bookkeeping, you know, all of this stuff, you start putting things out in the world, people become interested. And so that's where my initial first push of guests came from that DC community. And I just posted in there. Hey, um, I'm starting this new podcast. It's going to be different than most. Um, anybody interested? Anybody know anybody who would be a good guest? And I thought maybe I'd get three or four people, but just a flood came through. There was like 12 or 15 or something. <laughs> and I did all those interviews in like a couple of weeks. And suddenly I was scheduled out for like three months. And I've been that way ever since. Um, and I ask my guests, do you know anyone else who should, who would be a, g- a great guest for the show? Um, other people, I, and I never really made a list of people I want to talk to. Um, if I'm having a conversation with someone and I think this person's interest, interesting, I'll just say, hey, you want to you wanna do a podcast? You know, it's been very organic for me. Well, that's impressive. 64 episodes in, right? So I'm, you know, further behind you on this one. Uh, and I had old podcasts too, but it does seem like you get through your, your bigger relationships first, right? And then you start moving on to, um, people that you don't necessarily know. Um, and certainly at least for me, um, 
again, your own BS gets in the way of like, should mm. I ask this person? Right. Um, even people I, I know pretty well where I'm just like, oh, I don't know if I want to ask them. <laughs> uh, and so I always like to hear, uh, how people are doing it. Right. So it's interesting to hear your pipeline. It's a, like you also record one day a month, right? I think I heard this from John Lee Dumas, but you're the second person I've heard this from. So you do mm. all of your episodes for a month in one day, which I think is insane. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's you, you, what I realized was, uh, so a few months, well, several months ago, I hosted a, a virtual summit for the first time, um, and that was really awesome. Um, and but I, and then I kept also doing follow up interviews. It was a live thing. We live streamed for four days and had like forty eight guests, and and, um, uh, and and so then I was like riding that high, and I kept doing that stuff, same stuff, but just for more weeks. And I realized I, and in addition, like a, several of them became podcast guests. Oh, you were, a, you were, you were on the, <laughs> you were a speaker at the summit. Yeah. Um, and so I ended up just destroying my week, <laughs> you know, each week for several weeks, just like randomly scheduled calls. And I thought, no, no, there's got to be a better way. So yeah, one day a week. And I wondered if I'd get any pushback from people like, man, that doesn't work with my schedule. Not a single person has ever <laughs> has ever made any comments about that. Yeah, same here. I only record on Tuesdays, and and no one, no one's really said I can't make that work. Right? It, 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 some of them have mm-hmm. booked. Uh, I think my latest guest uh, that I met in Utah, he booked like the the Tuesday before Christmas. That's how far out he booked, but he was still able to you mm. know make a Tuesday work for him. Uh, and so. Uh, but man, I don't know if I could do it. Right. Like my show's a little longer than yours. Um, and I've had some go three hours, which is crazy, but you know, they're good conversations. And so, uh, I, I would definitely have to build a container, but I would, if I could get it all done in one day a month, it would take so much stress off of me. I, I, I've always been someone who part partitions, I guess is the right word. Like my days, right? So Monday is X business. Tuesday is Y business. Wednesday is Z business. Right. And so, um, making this and uh, you say you're not a systems or operations <laughs> guy no i just I, I knew i would lose my mind <laughs> if i didn't do that I, I've, I've just been a yeah. part of so many businesses lately i've really pared down right uh, i'm getting down to really i only have two businesses at the moment and, and immediately my brain's like where what can we start or who can we partner with and so um uh, but like usually i was part of four or five businesses yeah. at a time and, and so i really had to make those days work otherwise you know it's just fires left and right right so um yeah. Man, I'd like to get to one day on the podcasting. I don't know. I don't know if I can pull it off. You're, you're kind of making me uh, challenge myself here and see if I could pull it off. Well, yeah, for you, I know you like to go long, so that just scheduling wise makes it a little tougher. Um, but I'll tell you, I wondered if I'd be able to get through it all, just because my my I don't know. Like I am, I first of all, I have energy to begin with. I'm an energetic, passionate person. Um, but I wondered if I would have enough energy and energy in the podcast, especially is critical, critical, critical to me. Um, and so I wondered if I would have enough for, you know, four of these in a row in a day. Um, turns out, yeah, that's fine. Five is too many. <laughs> four is pushing it. I'm kind of drained in the evening, uh, a little grumpy, uh, but dur- doing those interviews is fine. Well, you challenged me. I might have to try to pull this off. We'll see. But you're right. I do like to go long. I think um, mm. I don't want to be condescending, but a, a lot of people who are on my podcast or on your podcast or anyone's podcast, they're on many podcasts, right? right. And so we kind of get this story, which is good, or they have their, their marketing message they want to get across. And I feel if you 
at least for me, if, if I give them a short period of time, I'm going to hear that same story. I've already heard them yep. say on, on other podcasts. And so by going long, I'm able to like pick holes in it and ask deeper questions and then um, really just try to have a conversation. I think the one thing I admired through podcasting was watching Joe Rogan go three hours with people because you can't, you can't BS people when you're on, you know, like live that long. You can't, you can't hide who you truly are. You can't hide your true feelings. You can't just put out your, your well manicured message. And so I don't know. I always admired that. And it really gave the opportunity to get to know people. Yeah. I agree with that. And I think every, every podcast uh, host has got to figure out what's going to work for for you, you know, um, so like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's your thing. Own it, man. Um, and I'll also say, you know, the thing, one of the reasons that I wanted to start mine was because I got tired of that same old stuff, you know, like there, there were great stories of entrepreneurs when they're just starting out, you know, but somehow that got lost, uh, when we started doing more advanced discussions with people who are, you know, at higher levels of business success, I suppose you'd say. Um, and so I wanted to bring that to uh, the higher level. That's why it's called next level e-commerce. Um, and so for me, uh, and, and so what I'm trying to say is like to have those deeper conversations, like clearly are doing that and questions and you've asked me to go deeper. And to me, that's the main difference is number one, having your own personal, your perspective, what interests you is going. And, and people have told me this, by the way, listeners have told me this. Uh, if I'm interested in what you're talking about, because you're so interested in it and you ask those follow-up questions that nobody else asks. Um, so I don't think you have to go super long, although it helps, but you're, you're doing that just in your questions to begin with. Yeah. I get that same feedback of like, thank goodness you asked that. So that, I mean, that's why earlier in the show I, I pushed you on like, what was the failed store? Right? Like, uh, mm -hmm. I, I just, I'm such a podcast junkie that when I'm listening, I'm like, Oh, why, why won't they ask this question? Right. And so I really yep. wanted to bake that into my show of like not letting people glaze over some details that that would be important to me and so um while you don't get much feedback on a podcast uh that is some of the feedback we've got i, I think it's been the toughest part have you seen that too of like you watch your numbers go up you watch your downloads go up and hmm. you're like this seems to be working but i don't get a ton of feedback right and even uh i don't maybe that's not the case for you but like um i i was i was surprised at like the opt-ins um or any action you're trying to get someone to take um that the uptake isn't what I expected to be, even though the downloads are <laughs> going up. It, I, I don't know. It's shocking to me. Podcast is yeah. podcasting is really weird that way. Yeah. I was actually just talking with my, my partner, Jason this week about that very thing is, um, you know, I think, you know, like I've done a few things. Like, uh, I talk about my bookkeeping business. I've, I've talked about team building stuff and I think, okay, I'm going to say this and 10 people are going to sign up tomorrow. It doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, but you know, you think about it, uh, and, and you, when you relax a bit <laughs> and you think about it in a common sense way, where are people listening? They're driving, they're going for a walk, they're doing the dishes, you know, that kind of thing. They're not 
it's different than reading a blog or um, it's different than even social media because then some, somebody can take an action there, but they can't really take an action while they're listening to this. So but you, you might've just defined a pro you might've just defined the problem to solve, right? Like if somebody can find a way, like, again, you're on a blog, there's a call to action button. You're on a product page. There's a buy now button, right? If you, mm-hmm. you, you, I think you're, you're calling out a real flaw in podcasting in that somebody is doing the dishes or running on the treadmill or driving in their car. Um, someone's going to need to solve that problem, right? Of how somebody can, uh, opt in or, um, or buy whatever you're offering. Uh, and, and make it easy for them so it's it's seamless, right? You're okay. Here we go. Here, marketing. You're a marketing guy. I I I've now start just as of last week. I've started to think of podcast podcasting as more of brand building, advertising, and less of um. Oh crap! What's the word? Direct response marketing. Um, it's more of the awareness. Um, and, and so it's more like TV ads and stuff like that. Um, it's, it's not really useful for direct response, I think. Uh, and so I wonder now, like thinking about the podcast, um, industry as a whole, you, you know, a lot of people are monetizing. I don't do this cause I have my own, I have my own stuff to sell. <laughs> I don't need to sell other people's stuff on my podcast. Although that could change sometime in the future. If you're listening, I'm just kidding. Um, but, uh, you know, you think about like the way that people are trying to monetize podcasts and I've heard some numbers and they're shockingly low of what people get, unless you're Tim Ferriss. Um, it's uh, like $15 per a thousand listens, right? It's, I don't even know, but there are podcasts that I listen to that I've got their media pamphlet, whatever you call that. And I was shocked, like, wait a minute, you're only getting one or two thousand dollars a month um wow okay that changes the game for me um uh so but regardless the people who are going out and advertising on these podcasts i'm is that what are they expecting as an roi and are they thinking of it more as brand building or more as you know taking a say you know direct response I'd be disappointed um, if they're really taking it as like a more holistic brand building exercise. Well, certainly there's touch points that need to be made, right? And so um, mm-hmm. there's value. There's no question, right? I, I'm sure you see the same thing. Every episode, the the downloads tick up a couple, right? And so um, you know you're reaching the people, uh, but but like you said, it's not direct response. I can't be like, okay, here's my offer. Go get it today by doing X and right. it's going to, it's going to happen. It just doesn't work that way. And so, um, but it's an interesting problem to solve. Uh, you know, back in the day, you listened to one, one show I had ecom fire and, and it, and it did work a lot better that way. And I don't know if we were just so niche down or what it was, but uh, you know, mentioning that we had, uh, I don't even remember what we had back then, like a $47 offer to come give you some advice on your Shopify store. And then like coaching for a hundred dollars an hour. Um, it manifested into, into quite a few dollars and we affiliate mm. marketed dropship lifestyle back then. And we did tens and tens of thousands of dollars. Um, wow. Until, uh, Anton's affiliate program broke, but, uh, yeah, I don't like it, it did work back then. And I, I don't know if it's just super niche down or what it is, but, uh, certainly on, on this, anybody who's listening to the BK show, uh, 
I'm struggling. I'll just be honest, right? Like I've tried to give away things. I've tried to uh, do different things, and uh, the opt-ins uh, are much much harder on this this show. Yeah, uh, you know, I I could be wrong about this whole thing. Um, that's certainly true. Uh, and I think then back other things that I've heard. I do know people who um, have different types of businesses, like SEO service or something, and 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 going putting their you know sponsoring a podcast does work well for them. So I don't know. Um, but I think also this is a weird year and people's habits have been completely upended. Um, so, you know, who knows? <laughs> well, look, we're hitting the end of it here, but I, I do want to give you an opportunity to pitch your stuff, right? So uh, I've been a guest on your podcast. I'll put that in the show notes, but like pump your podcast, pump your bookkeeping service, pump your hiring. Uh, you're doing a lot of cool stuff. And I want to make sure anybody who's who's hung, hung around this long in the podcast that they go check out all your stuff. Sure, man. Well, hey, I, first of all, thanks for, for having me. This has been so much fun. Like I, 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 really appreciate what you've done like and and also like no joke you what you're doing here is different and um you know it's it's a relaxing conversation it's fun you know we go deep on some topics that are unexpected that's that's the whole that's the whole joy in it um so yeah i mean yeah i have thought about this i should have like one place that I send people to and I'm now I'm doing so many things. Um, but yeah, so podcast is probably where, um, if you're just generally curious about what's going on, you want to hear, um, interviews with other, uh, entrepreneurs, hear the stories, go deep on some of the lessons learned, kind of like what we've done in this, uh, interview. Um, that's next level e-commerce, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and if you need, if we, like we've been talking about the bookkeeping, um, if you just need to uh, know what's going on in your business, here's, here's a common problem. Um, somebody has a business and they get their P&L report. They go, look at that bottom line, net profit. All right. And then you go check your bank account. And you're like, wait a minute, what? Uh, if that's you, that's how we help. We help you figure this stuff out. Um, and, and that's, I guess, our, our USP, which is, you know, we're here to help you make this, help this stuff make sense for you. So if, if, if you need some help in that area, um, I'm happy to chat. You know, we, we don't have to, we, you can just make an appointment and talk, um, no pressure or anything. Um, the website is summitecommerce.co. The, co the company is Summit Ecommerce Advisors. Um, and we're, we're going to re be redoing that website in the next month or so. Um, but, or you can just contact me, Facebook. I'll give you my email address, Isaac, I-S-A-A-C at summitecommerce.co. Um, so that's bookkeeping. We're also, I'm also doing like a, we've talked about, um, helping people build teams and systems. Um, so like if a lot of the common story with hiring is, Finding just okay people who burn out, burn out or ghost after a couple of weeks or just like you spend all your time micromanaging them. Um, I can help you with that. Help you find, find an A player and um, uh, really get the best out of your team. Um, so same, same places to go. Uh, you can contact me however is easy. Um, but yeah, 
podcast is probably best um, to just sort of keep in touch. But yeah, I'm I'm on I'm on Facebook. That's that's really I I'm happy to chat with about any topic, the hiring or bookkeeping or anything else. I'll put all of those in the show notes. So uh, your podcast, your bookkeeping. Um, I'll double check with you on the on the hiring link. Uh, I'm sure you have an opt in for that. Uh, I'll put a link to my episode on your podcast as well, and then a, a link to your Facebook. And uh, yeah, reach out if you want to learn anything more about those things. Definitely go listen to his podcast. Uh, besides the wonderful Ben Kanagnor, if he's had some good guests on there, uh, uh, many of who I know personally, and uh, they were all awesome episodes. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. I really appreciate Isaac coming on my show. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to check out my episode on Isaac's podcast where I go a little bit into my story. Uh, definitely check out his podcast. So he has a bunch of great guests. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely a listener, and I think you should be too. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, Isaac. Uh, one last little housekeeping note. I've been telling you to go to learnwithezra.com to check out Smart Traffic Live. It was two ninety seven when I first started telling you. It is now four ninety seven, and it's only going to be that way for two or three more days, depending on when you listen to this. Uh, until the twentieth of November, it's four ninety seven, uh, and then it's going up to six ninety seven. So, if you want to grab a ticket to Smart Traffic Live and learn from a ton of huge names uh, at a discounted price and support this show by clicking through my partner link, go to learnwithezra.com. Uh, and if you do, I'll see you there. I'm going to be watching for sure. So, thanks so much for listening, and I'll see all of you next week.